life. It happens, doesn't it? Sometimes life I mean, sometimes it's beautiful. I mean, sometimes it takes your breath away. It is so joyous. It is so beautiful. It brings a smile to your face, a skipping your step, life to your souls. But other times you have those days that now some of you you're wired that everything just rolls off your back doesn't bother you at all others of us you're feelers and oh it hurts some of you reacted this week as you read on Facebook of that young pastor who tragically took his life and your heart went out to that young mom and that young family I know I did and you wonder what would cause someone to see everything so gray so dark that they thought that the best thing they could do for the world was to remove themselves from it And, and please don't judge that person because that's what they believed. They felt there was no other hope. You and I know that's not true. And, and if you're in that place this morning, may I beg of you as your shepherd to get help this morning. There are people standing by who want to tell you that there is hope and there is help and there's a way out and, and, and take it. But what do we do when life hurts? And, and young ones, guess what? If you haven't figured out, it's going to every now and then. Life is going to hurt every now and then. Well, I want to take you to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the last book that Paul will ever write. This is the last chapter of the last book. And this is the last part. And Paul pulls back the curtains and allows us to see his heart in a way that he has never shown it. And he is writing at a time in the midst of a madman. This madman set Rome on fire. He danced on top of a hill gleefully, just dancing and singing and laughing as he watched Rome burn. This is the man who will come in just a short time and have Paul taken out and his head cut off. 
He will take Paul's life. This is a crazed man, and Paul is living underneath this man's tyranny. Paul is, is a man who is tied up. He is in bondage. He is, he is chained to this. He is a prisoner. Now I want to show you his humanness. So I'm going to try to read it with that. And he's writing to Timothy. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychius I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books and above all, all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Anesphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Paul is human. He is alone. And even for the best of reasons, it's not easy to be alone. When you lose loved ones, what do we do? Notice that he lost loved ones for ministry for the right reasons. He's excited because they're doing what they're supposed to do. He says, Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, Tychius he sent to Ephesus, Erastus to Corinth. People who have, have my heart, who share my vision, whom I love are gone. 
but it still hurts, doesn't it? When you sent your daughter halfway down the continent, you were excited that she was serving the Lord, weren't you? But it still hurt, didn't it? When you send your loved ones away, it still hurts. It can be all the right reasons, but it still hurts. But notice the next one. Loved ones who hurt and you can't help. He says this incredible phrase. He says, I left Trophimus who was ill at Miletus not long ago. Remember, Paul could heal. Remember, there was Eutychus. Eutychus was sitting up listening to Paul preach. And he did what many of you do. He fell asleep. Yeah, I know which ones of you who do that too. <laughs> the deep thinkers. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. And he falls out of a window. And he dies. So what does he do? He goes down. He raises him from the dead and keeps preaching. Paul had that ability. God had given him that, that gift. But now, Paul has to leave this guy sick. He couldn't help him. Have you ever had loved ones you can't help? You wish you could. I remember for Donna and I, the, when we had just moved out to Minnesota after nearly 13 years of ministry at, at a church in, in California, and the first time something happened and we couldn't be there. And we couldn't help. You felt so helpless. You felt so worthless. How about loved ones who break your heart? He says this. Demas. Demas. In love with this present world has deserted me. This is someone he's invested in. And this person he invested in, this person who had served alongside him, this person who had believed what he had believed, this person he had called friend, this person he called fellow worker, this person who had the same faith, who had treasured what he had treasured, now rejected it and abandoned it. How many parents through the years have felt that when their child comes and says, Mom and Dad, I, I just can't believe what you believe anymore. Or maybe you've had someone you've invested in and loved on and cared for and they've just taken a path of self-destruction. And it just rips your heart out. And 
That's what Paul's going through. How about the pain of being wrongly attacked? He's attacked from the outside. What do we hear? We hear Alexander the coppersmith has done him great harm. In fact, his life is on the line. He gets thrown into a court-like setting. We don't know what he did, but it hurt. He's fighting for his physical life. Do you ever feel like you're fighting for your survival in the other arenas in your life? It may not be physical, but, but in your work, in your social life, in your school, high school students, does it feel like the world of high school ever feel like a lion's den? But notice here, Paul is deserted. He's abandoned. He says, no one stood with me. He feels all alone. All desert him. And in fact, he says, I was saved from the lion's mouth. In other words, his life was ready to be taken. Then he puts another small statement there, a seasonal statement. Next slide. Do your best to come before winter. I think we Minnesotans understand that best. Get here before winter. Now, I know some of you thrive in winter. Some of us don't. Amen? All right. Yeah. But there are seasons of life, is there not, that are hard? It could be said this way, come before this season of life hits me. Are you entering a season of life that's hard? Are you entering a season of life that is, that is just hard? Let's see what Paul did. Because Paul was never a victim. Let's see how Paul handled it. How did he walk through the hurt? Did he just give a stiff upper lip and move on? Did he drown in sorrow? Number one, he gathered those he needed and those he loved. Look at verse 9. Do your best to come to me soon. Get Mark and bring him with you. Now he had Luke. Good old Luke. Luke, the doctor. I like my doctors. I have some that I call friends. But if you ever read Luke and Acts, as we've been studying Acts all summer, Luke's a bit clinical. You know, just the facts. Just give me the facts. I'm not going to embellish it. Just give me the facts. So I can see him there. So Paul, how are you doing? Just give me the facts. Just give me the facts. 
I'm not putting Luke down. But Paul says, I need my, I need my son in the faith. And, and bring Mark. He's useful to me. That leads us to the second point. You notice he didn't hold grudges. Do you remember what happened with Mark? Now, we didn't get to it in Acts, but we will next summer, maybe, or the summer after that. Because we worked through, the summers we're working through the book of Acts. But here's what happens. I'm going to give you a sneak peek. The first missionary journey with Paul, Mark bails. And so they finish the journey. They get ready to go on the second journey. And, and Barnabas goes, hey, let's take Mark. And Paul goes, not on your life. And they have a knock-down drag. So who was right? They both were. Mark wasn't ready to go on the missionary trip. He wasn't. And Barnabas was right because he saw something in Mark that needed to be developed. He says, bring Mark. He's useful to me. Paul didn't write him off. Paul didn't hold a grudge. Paul didn't say that old Barnabas. He didn't hold a grudge. You know, sometimes we hold grudges. You want to have victory? You don't hold grudges. You don't hold grudges. Notice also, he learned how to forgive. Verse 16. I went, my life is on the line, and they all abandoned me. Don't hold it against them. I forgive them. Uh, Paul, that's pretty big. That's pretty big. The time you needed them. The time that they needed to be by your side. Yeah, but I'm forgiving. Learn how to forgive. He also learned how to put into God's hands what needed to be put into God's hands. Notice what he does with our friend Alexander the coppersmith. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. So I think we should get him back. That's the Brawley revised version there. What does he say? The Lord will repay. He did me great harm, and I want to teach you a principle here. Father, they hurt me. They deserve justice done to them. But justice isn't what I do, Father. That's what you do. 
So Father, I take the hurt that they have done to me and I give it to You. For You to do justice. You say in Your Word, vengeance is Yours, You will repay. Justice is Yours, You will repay. So I give it to You. I don't want to become bitter, Father. And if I take justice in my own hands, then I'll become bitter. So I'm going to give it to you. I'll let you take care of it, Father. And that's what he does. Because he knows that God will repay him perfectly according to his deeds. Notice also, he learns how to see life through God's eyes. Verse 17. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Why did I go through those things? So that the message might be fully proclaimed and the Gentiles might hear it. He understood that God had a plan. It's much like Joseph who said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You want to handle hard things? Start seeing it through God's eyes. And he understood that he was never truly alone. The Lord stood by me. He also understood how to take care of himself through the season of life. He knew that winter was coming. So what did he say? Bring the cloak. He took care of his physical needs. Bring the books. I got to take care of my mind. Bring the parchments. That's the scriptures. I need to take care of my walk with God. I want you to hear this. This is the guy who wrote half the New Testament. Paul, why don't you just sit down, close your eyes, and start writing? Because this is a man so in love with his God that he wanted to study what his God had sent through the prophets before him. He never had a day that he felt, I've attained. I'm going to study till graduation day, until I meet my Savior face to face. Next slide. Something. else that I want you to see here. It says this, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed, verse 18, and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. He knew his soul was secure. But get this, to him be the glory forever and ever. 
Amen. He knew. He knew that his true rescue was found in the glory of God. He knew his soul was eternally safe in the hands of his Savior, and whether he lived or died, nothing would ever touch his soul. No matter whatever happened to his body, the real Paul was always safe and will always escape every lion because the Lion of Judah would guide him to his real home to be with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And he knew peace in the midst of pain because his heart was set on the glory of God. For him, holding on to something so great, the glory of God, so wonderful that everything else grew dim and pale by comparison. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. O oh, friends, is your heart set on the glory of God? Or is it set on this passing world? But then he gave in conclusion he says this, last slide. Next slide, please. Go to the previous slide, please. He says this. The Lord be with your spirit. You know, the greatest thing you can give anyone is Jesus Christ. You can't give them anything better. I can wish you happiness, I can wish you peace, I can wish you everything, but the best thing I can give you is Jesus. And so he ends this letter, he says, I want to wish you Jesus. I want to give you Jesus. May the Lord be with you. And then he says something that we think is a throwaway. Grace be with you. Now, we think that's a throwaway. That's kind of like, goodbye. It's because we don't understand grace. There was a little girl. She had been adopted. And the adoption failed. And in that adoption that failed, the family would go to Disney World and uh, they would get ready to go, and they would say, you have to earn your way to Disney World. She would never, ever, ever be able to earn her way to Disney World. She was never good enough. So they would take their biological children and go to Disney World, but they never would take her. Then the, the adoption failed, and a new family adopted her. And they found out that she had never been to Disney World, so they decided they were going to take her to Disney World. About a month before they were to go to Disney World, she became a living terror. She hurt her sister's feelings. She lied when she didn't need to lie. She stole when she didn't need to steal. And finally, she walked into her parents' 
And she said this, she goes, well, I know what you're going to do. You're not going to take me to Disney World, are you? And the father, in his wisdom, sat her down and said, are you part of this family? She nodded her head, yes. He said, then you're going. Now, there's going to be consequences to help you remember what's right and wrong, but you're part of your family, and we're not going to leave you behind. Even if I want to. (laughs) That didn't make the problem go away. Every day, even on the trip down, every moment up to the point of walking through the gates of the magic kingdom, she was a terror. Until she walked through the gates. And she was transformed. That night, in their hotel room, a very different child emerged. She was exhausted, pensive, weepy. But her rebellion was gone. When bedtime rolled around, the father held her. He prayed with her. He said, how was your first day at Disney World? She closed her eyes. She snuggled down. After a few minutes, she opened her eyes ever so slightly. Daddy, I got to go to Disney World. But it wasn't because I was good. It's because I'm yours. I want you to catch that. It wasn't because I was good. It's because I'm yours. Friends, that's the message of grace. Grace isn't a favor you can achieve by being good. It's the gift you receive by being God's. Grace is God's goodness that comes looking for you when you have nothing but a fist in God's face to offer in return. It's a farmer paying full day's wages to a crew of deadbeat day laborers for only a single hour punched on their time cards. It's a man marrying with abandon a woman and then refusing to forsake his covenant even when she cheats on him. Hosea. That's what the book of Hosea tells us. It's the insanity of a shepherd who puts 99 sheep at risk to rescue a single lamb that's too stupid to stay with a flock. It's the love of a father who hands over his finest rings and robes to a young man who has squandered his inheritance on a drunken binge with his fair-weather friends. It's a one-way love that calls you into the kingdom not because you are good, but because God has chosen you and made you his own. Let that sink in. That's the grace of God. You don't deserve it. But he chose you. Yeah. It's a bad day. 
It's a painful day. But I've got a heavenly Father who chose me. He chose me for no other reason but for his glory. And because of that, I'm safe. And I'm secure. And I can leave it in his hands. Amen? Amen.